Hello and welcome back to the Gather Around the Lamp podcast by underagaslitlamp.com. I'm Regan, you can find me on Twitter at FindFoy and today I'm joined by Mark. Hello guys, Mark Jarebi here, you can find me at Twitter at VillamarkPGH, I hope everybody's doing well. Yeah, it's exciting times approaching with uh, the Leeds game on Sunday, but first before we get into this, I'd like to uh, thank anyone and everyone that has uh, voted for us at the Football Blogging Awards this season. Um, last season we came ever so close to taking the award home, but we were beaten by a Liverpool blog. Uh, this year, it's it's double, triple the size of, of last year. Um, you know, we've had so many more votes, so many more people sharing our stuff and getting our name out there. So hopefully we'll be one of the uh, the, the Villa content creators taking an award home from the Etihad on uh, May the 9th. Yeah, that would be fantastic. Uh, yeah, again, even from even from me and the, the rest of the writers that under a gaslit lamp, we appreciate every single click, every single read, every single follow, like on the Facebook page, everything. The support has been immense this year. Last year was great, and this year completely blew my expectations. Uh, yeah, ab- absolutely love it. Fantastic support, and just thank you to everybody who's who's voted. It really does and mean a lot. You're, uh, you're still not tired of voting. We're currently running a number of polls on underagaslitlamp.com uh, where we're doing our own little awards for you know, player of the season, uh, most underrated player, young player of the season, and so forth. So, you know, if you've got an opinion and you think that John McGinn's been the player of the season or... Uh, Neil Taylor has been, you know, the the most underrated or the most improved. Uh, go onto our website and, and give your favourite player a vote in in whichever category, and uh, we'll be announcing those come the end of the season. Yeah, it should be a fun one. I think for the the young player, I, I, I have a feeling Mister uh, Mister Andre Green might run away with that, but that might be me a little bit. I, I I can't get enough of the kid. I think he's brilliant. Yeah, well, I mean, Keenan Davis won it last year, and he 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 was a, a big part of our season last year, uh, racking up nearly thirty appearances across the season. Yeah, it's crazy to think back on that. He played that much last year, but he did a good job. I'm proud of Keenan. Yeah, yep. Yeah. Right, let's uh, let's get into the recent games. Um, obviously, we missed our last podcast, so we're we, we, we're skipping over the. Uh, I believe it's the Bristol City result that we missed out on, um, but. As we speak now, Aston Villa have gone 10 games without losing, without drawing. It's 10 wins on the bounce. It's it's absolutely crazy to think about. Um, obviously, you know, emotions are high right now in the Villa supporters camp and, you know, the players as well. Dean Smith is smiling ear to ear every time you see him. Uh, yeah, it's just, it's absolutely crazy to think about that two months ago we were just like, uh, just, just beat Blues. Just beat Blues and it's all right. Just you know, as long as we win that game, we're fine. And now we're talking about having a real run into the playoffs and actually gaining the momentum to to get there and actually make make it promoted. Don't want to get too carried away. It's kind of hard not to right now, Regan. It's real hard. Yeah, I agree. Um, I mean, I I was so nervous for that that Blues derby, uh, just because I I formed before that was a bit shaky, um, and I thought you know it. And you know they were in they were in fine form like you know obviously they're our rivals but I'm not going to downplay how well they were playing at that time of the season, um, and I was sitting there like just please don't let us lose. Yeah, I think people a lot of people forget that we were uh, I don't think we had a game in five or six going into the. Derby County match that we won 4 0 that kicked off the 10 game unbeaten run. So, like, you know, the kind of turnaround that we actually had was pretty, pretty massive at the right time. Yeah, it's certainly the right time. 
Um, and obviously now we've confirmed our playoff place, and it's looking likely that we'll be a uh, we'll be facing West Bromwich Albion, uh, Midlands Rivals in the uh, semi-final. Yeah, I love that. I think that's exactly what Villa needs, to be honest. Uh, they get in the playoffs, and then a Midlands rival, and not to mention, you know, if you ask any Aston Villa supporter that's worth their weight in salt, if they would, you know, take a, a win over the Baggies to get into the playoff final, they're gonna say yeah. I, I think that's literally, I, I want that I want that matchup so so very badly. I hope nothing happens in the last two three games here of the season for you know other teams, but we will see what happens. But I, I'd love to play them in the final or in the well, uh, semi semi basically. They're um they're currently two points ahead of us, so we could still finish above them, uh, finishing in fourth. If we finish in fourth, the the second leg of the uh, the playoff semifinals would mean that we would be at home. What would you rather do? Would you rather play at home first or play at home in the uh, in the second leg? For me, I, I want home in the second leg. Uh, I just think that we can, with all the emotion of, of playing a rival, I, I think that that's something, no matter what result comes out of that game, we're very, very good at Villa Park. You know, especially, obviously, over the past 10. Um, and then you have players that have these really unique statistics about them, like Tammy Abraham for all the goals that he scored this year. He's scoring 1.1 goals a game at Villa Park. No, away isn't that bad either. I think it's 0.8 uh, goals per game on an average. But uh, I w- I'll take the second leg at Villa Park all day long, for my money at least. Yeah, I think I think most people would, to be honest. But, you know, that means we have to beat uh, both Leeds and Norwich, who are, who are both above us, um, if we are to do that. And we need, we need baggies to either draw both of their games or lose both of their games. Yeah, I'm not sure if they will. Like I said, there's still a lot of mathematics that can happen and... You know, the we all know the championship can be a, a very uh, strange league at times. I'm just, I'm just, I'm just hoping we can, you know, keep this momentum going. I'm not, I'm not as fearful of, of the Norwich game for the fact I don't think they have much to play for. Um, but the, I think this this Leeds game is going to be a pretty pretty tough encounter. Yeah, definitely. But before we get into previewing the uh, the Leeds game, let, let's rewind a bit and we'll go back to the Bolton fixture, uh, a two nil win, which really. Wasn't that convincing in the first half? Villa didn't really look themselves. No, they didn't. There, there was just a lot of things going on on the pitch as far as link-up play was a little, little sketchy. It was, it was hard to see how Villa was gonna link uh, maybe the fourth and fifth pass in a consecutive move together, and that that's totally unlike you know Dean Dean Smith and what we've seen from him this season. Not even excluding the the. Uh, the 10 game on beaten run, he, he really prides himself and his coaching staff pride themselves on being able to move the ball around the pitch, you know, with a little bit of urgency. And it seemed like the urgency part of it wasn't there. And that was making players, you know, either under kick or over kick balls. It just seemed like it, it was a really, really strange first half for, for Villa when it really came down to it. But, you know, they managed to turn around the second half. Yeah, and obviously the second half started well. Um, Tammy Abraham did incredibly well to get out onto the, uh, the right hand side. And, uh, you know, he's weaving his way past past Bolton players like it was nothing before putting on in an absolutely like it was an absolute dime of a uh, of a cross, and Jack was there to head it home. Yeah, you don't see many headed uh, efforts from Grealish. He's had a he's I think he's a I think that might be the second or third one this season for him. Uh, well, yeah, but what a, what a cross by Abraham just that, just throwing the ball in there and the uh, you know just Jack, Jack seems to pop, be popping up in, in more and more spaces that you not 
you don't usually see him pop up. And what I mean by that, Dean Smith has obviously challenged Jack and said, we want you to produce more, but it's not only just about producing, you know, on the score sheet or with an assist or with a, with a unusually high, you know, match average. He wants him to start doing all the little things because the little things add up to big things. And we're definitely starting to see it with Jack, you know, trying to actually get on the end of, of crosses. And he's not the biggest lad. He, he, he's not, you know, the best jumper in the squad by any means. He, you know, might not have the, the fitness to get up in the air, much like, you know, other taller players but that's that's a wonderful thing to add to the game, you know, to be in those scrappy kind of positions, the heading goals. Yeah, definitely. And it, it, the the assist for me begs a question. Um, obviously, it, this isn't in any way like questioning it on a in a uh, negative way because obviously Tammy scored, uh, I believe, twenty five goals uh, this season so far. Um, but if if Abraham can play like that on the wing, why were we playing Codger on the wing? Um, it seems like it would be much more worthwhile to have had Abraham on the wing when we were playing the both of them on the same the same uh, team sheet and having Codger as the sole striker. Right. When you see things like that, when you see Tammy being, you know, having the ability to cross a ball like that from a wide area, it does, you know, beg the question of, you know, could he possibly play out wide? And yeah, I'm, I'm sure he, he can. I just think, like you said, with the 25 odd goals, I think he has. Um, I, I don't. I don't think that they're going to do that now. I don't think you, you try to change something that isn't broken. But at the same point in time, it does beg the question, why were they putting Kaja there if, if, you know, Abraham, you know, his show, and he's shown it a couple times this season that once he gets forced out wide, he'll find a way to beat a man to get a ball into the box and then, you know, get back to his position. But, I mean, he looks he looks really stellar at it the, the couple times that he's done it now. Yeah, I mean, he reminds me a bit of uh, Marko Arnautovic when he used to play for Stoke City. Uh, yeah, I can, I, I can agree with that. He, he actually does. That's a really good comparison. It's like the kind of wide target man kind of player, and uh, you know he he's big, he's tall, but he he's got some speed, he's got some legs, and you know he's gonna cut inside and uh, have a shot on goal, or he's just gonna you know run in and you know be at the end of a cross. Yeah, and he he definitely has the the physical the physical about him to be able to do that. Uh, it, I actually caught him a couple times over the past few games. Tammy, I've, I've been watching him. It seems like he's maybe trying to put a little bit of John McGinn into his game where he's twisting off people a little bit more and, and actually being able to turn his hips and, and, and use his backside to try to try beat a player. Now, obviously, Tammy's a big lad. He knows how to do that. But it seems like he's just getting a little lower with it, and it's creating just a little little maybe yard, yard and a half of space. And that's that's proven to, to be doing wonders. He's, he's actually been doing really well at it, and long may that continue. Yeah, for sure. Um, but you know, Grealish, Grealish uh, paid Abraham back. Uh, just I think was it like ten ten minutes later, um, and he assisted Abraham for Abraham's twenty fifth goal of the season. Um, Grealish did incredibly well, in my opinion, to actually actually keep hold of the ball in that uh, situation. Um, his touch wasn't necessarily great, but. The, the way that he kept the ball and then played it back in for Abraham to uh to bury home, uh you know it, I I think that was sublime. Um, obviously Abraham scoring his twenty fifth, but in the process he injured himself. Yeah, and it was, it was so bad. I mean, for me, you know. I, I talked about it a couple times on previous podcasts. I'm a big ice hockey guy, so for me, like seeing a player go down with the look on his face and grabbing a certain area, my first thought was he might have broken his collarbone or a clavicle. Same thing, just different terminology. Um, but it, it really looked like he was in a real big amount of pain. I didn't think for a second it was a dive or he was just showboating, rolling around on the ground. Um, you know, shoulders can be a very, very tricky thing for you know an ordinary player, let alone a footballer who has a lot of stress of you know if they're 
brushing up against people or falling to the ground or however it may happen, you know, that's a really sensitive thing. It throws off your whole body motion to be able to run and be able to, you know, run laterally, you know, strength moves in the air as far as getting up for a header or something like that. But um, yeah, it, it was a great, great cross from, from Jack. It's just, it's a little disappointing that Tammy goes down to injury, but from what we're hearing from the club and, you know, a little bit of the rumors being around is that he'll be okay. He's, he's going to miss the Leeds game. I wouldn't, I wouldn't be upset to see him miss the Norwich game as well, but I guess we're going to have to see what Dean Smith does leading up to the playoffs. Yeah, definitely. And he, he was replaced by uh, Keenan Davis, who, if you're a regular listener of the podcast, we're, we're big, big fans of. Um, oh, I love I love me some Keenan, baby. I love it. <laughs> Obviously, though, he, he's hungry for minutes this season. He's been kept at bay by Abraham and Kodja. Um But, you know, he, he was playing like he did last season in the absence of Jonathan Kodger. And, you know, his strength on the ball is so, so good. Um, and really, we should probably be utilising it against the likes of Leeds and Norwich. I, I had a massive, massive shout for that. I believe I put it on my Twitter. I think that, you know, I honestly, I I thought he was going to get a start against Millwall. Um, but it ends up, you know, Codger plays. But regardless, you know, with Davis, he, he's just, he's so young. And, and the thing you always hear, oh, he looks so great out there, but he can't finish. All right, so we get it. so we we know that like finishing is not the strongest point of his game, but he's still so young. You know what I mean? Like you look at some of these other players we have, like you can even compare him to Jack. And I'm not you know comparing them to their skill levels at all or what they bring to the team, but um just purely on the fact that like people wanted Jack to start contributing more and not just running the show in the midfield areas and getting on the score sheet. I think you're going to see the same thing happen with that with Keenan. But we have to start developing you know, our own players, our own youth players. And, you know, for me, I really do think that the Keenan Davis should be at the top of that list. I don't know if he is in terms of, you know, how they rank through a depth chart of, you know, where he's actually at and what how they see him. But I really do think he could be a star for, star for Villa, but we're, we're going to have to start giving him some time here. It's unfortunate that he got frozen out because of Tammy. But, I mean, it's, it's really nice to see him getting a little bit of time here at the end of the season. Yeah, and if we do get promoted, that's the one negative, really. Like... You, if you look at like clubs like Liverpool and Man City, they're really only having one uh, one player come through. Man City have had Foden come through, and may, maybe Zinchenko. I don't know if Zinchenko counts. Um, and Liverpool have had Trent Alexander-Arnold, but they've got the likes of uh, Woodburn and other players like that, that 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 are definitely Championship quality at this age and could be future Premier League quality. But they're not getting game time because the likes of Salah or Sane or uh, Aguero or whoever uh, are just in such fine form. And if we go up to the uh, if we go up to the Premier League, I'm worried that the likes of Keenan, possibly Andre Green, um, and then even younger players like Callum O'Hare or Jacob Ramsey are gonna are gonna struggle to actually break through into this side. It definitely could be a case of that as far as, you know, the youngsters and getting teams and are they going to be enough for the Premier League? I wouldn't say that Keenan Davis right now is ready for big-time Premier League minutes. But, you know, it all comes down to the same thing of it, it probably wouldn't be a bad idea to dispatch him on loan to, to a team that maybe likes to play that hold-up kind of style and he would really fit in there just to kind of hone his craft a little bit. It's pretty much what the, the loan system's for in reality, but 
Yeah, I don't know. It's gonna, it's going to be a tough a, a tough ask for some of these younger players to you know actually shine in the Premier League. I think, but I mean, you get all that cash and you start making a, you know a few signings and I don't know maybe on a sub capacity. But I mean, Villa definitely has you know if we do get promoted, Villa has a little something to say about what they're going to do in the striking part of the uh, the pitch. Yeah, definitely. I mean, the kind of team that King Davis would suit uh, is is a Middlesbrough side. Well, before before I say Middlesbrough side, a Tony Pulis side. Um, but you know, I, I'd loan him out to them if we had guarantees that he'd play. But with with the likes of a a Sambalonga and even Gested ahead of him, you know that that wouldn't be likely. Yeah, I don't think he. You know, in a you know, just obviously, you know, just thinking about it in terms, I don't think he would go to to Burrow and and beat out a Sambalonga for for a starting position. They're similar players, other than the fact that it seems like Brita Sambalonga has crazy amounts of pace for a man his size. I don't think Keenan's ever going to have that kind of pace, but I can definitely see him, if we do get promoted, either dispatched on loan or just like spot fill-in for a striker. Um, Still not sold that that Jonathan Codge is going to be here next season regardless of what division we're in but I guess we'll, we'll just have to wait and see on that but the the whole key to Davis and in, in his uh his getting on with development and whatnot it's definitely going to have to come at game time and if Philip get promoted I'm not sure it's going to be at the villa for next season but you, you never know stranger things have happened again there's just so many things in the air if you if you get promoted if you don't do you spend crazy money we just saw Fulham spend 100 mil or a little over 100 mil and they're coming right back down to the championship so it's gonna I hate to use the Steve Bruce phrase but you know they're gonna they're gonna have to really box clever when it really comes to some of these uh transfers no matter what no matter if we're in the championship or in the Premier League this summer yeah definitely um but you know, if you look at our strikers, um, if we if, even if we stay down, you know, if, either way, I can't see Scott Hogan staying. No, um, I don't. I don't. I don't think there's a chance of that happening. To be honest, I, I think that bridge has been burnt. I, I think Hogan had his chance. He rued his chances. He wanted another chance. He was told no, and I, I don't think you'll ever see him in a claret and blue series ever again. No, I, th- I think, you know, if there was any time for him to impress, it was in the early period of Dean Smith. And, you know, he's been loaned out now, and I think he's scored once. Um, he's not getting the game time. It's not really been worth worthwhile. Um, you know, Ross McCormack's never going to play for Aston Villa, so we should probably be offloading him. Um, there was links uh, linking Jonathan Codger back to, uh, to Liga 1. Um, that's likely to happen, I would think. And we're going to lose Tammy as well. So if you look at that, we're left with Keenan, um, and then Rashawn, and that's it. So yeah, that's kind of scary to think about too. If you if you really like put some thought, that's that's a little scary to think about that we have. To I mean, what they're both under the age of twenty two. I think yeah. So you know, those are those are two young strikers that still have a little, little bit of development to do. Not only just in their game, but physically. You know, like there's there's no saying that Keenan Davis couldn't you know put on another you know ten to fifteen pounds of muscle here in the next two three three years. You know, there's no saying that Hepper Murphy's not going to get even more pace in the next three to four years. But as of right now, like going up to the Premier League, like they're, Villa's going to have to find a striker. They're going to have to. I'd be okay with Keenan Davis starting games for Villa in the Championship. I don't know if I would roll those dice in the Premier League. No, I think you know if if the uh, if if the options there, if we do go up, we'll sign Tammy. I think as long as it, I think any more than thirty million, and and we won't. But uh, if if Chelsea accepts something under that, we'll 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 go for him. 
Um, yeah, you might. I think it might be one of those things where you get the football manager type signing, where you're like, "Hey, I'll give you 15 million up front, and I'll give you the other 10 million over over the next couple seasons." <laughs> you know, Villa, Villa got themselves into trouble doing that the last time they were in the Premier League, toward the end, you know, a couple seasons before getting relegated. But you know, if that's if that's the game we got to play, that's the game we got to play to get Tammy. I really want him to come here, but I just, I, I, again, I don't, I don't, I don't know if Chelsea is going to sell him or not. Yeah. Something I've been quite excited for if we do go, but well. I, I hate talking like this because we'll listen back on this in, uh, you know, a couple of months and be like, oh man, we were so we were so uh, cocksure about what's going up, you know. Right. But um, one thing I, I am excited for if we do go up is us breaking our transfer record. I believe it still stands as a uh, Darren Bent. Yeah, it's still still Darren Bent. Yes, it is. And what was that like? 14, 15, 16 million? I think it was 16 million. I believe that's off the top of my head. Don't quote me on it, but it's definitely Darren Bent's transfer is still the the highest transfer in Villa. Yeah. I mean, we, we've come close with the signings of Codger and McCormack, but uh, yeah, I, th- I think it will certainly be an interesting summer, whatever happens. But let's let's move on. Let's go to the uh, the Millwall fixture, which saw us uh, hit our tenth win in a row and break Villa history. Uh, yeah, it was it was absolutely wonderful. I mean, the game itself was was a little bit lackluster. Millwall seemed like they were coming out just to set up shop, and they were okay with trying to absorb some of the pressure Villa was going to put onto them. I guess that's kind of that was kind of known that they were going to do that, but you it, you don't know to the extent of it until the game actually starts to happen. And they they definitely tried to set up shop. And Villa, you know, proven again, they'll win games any way you want to play them. I think that's one of the you know coolest things about a Dean Smith side is they have the composure and the mentality to know like. You know, if someone's going to try to, if the opposition's going to try to hoof balls, we can take care of it. If they want to try to outpace us, we can match it. If they want to go for a 5-5 against Nottingham Forest, we can do that too. So there's there's been a lot of ways that Villa can win games. It's not always the most exciting, and I think that's what we saw in the Millwall fixture. Yeah, and that that is something, you know. um, I'm pretty sure Dean Smith made a comment about it recently, but, you know, it's something that, we we adapt to how teams are playing against us, and we're still getting results. You know, if they're a fast-paced attacking side, we deal with that and we adapt to it. If they're going to put ten men behind the ball, we deal with it and we adapt to it. Um, but you know, the the Millwall game was a case of, a, a case of that. They they were putting ten men behind the ball a lot of the time. There was a period in the second half when they were they were in our half more than we were in theirs. Um, and that did have me hanging on a hanging on a knife edge a little bit, but you know there, there were certain players that really really shone against Millwall, and it seems like everyone's performing, but in every game there's always one, two, maybe three players that just have, are having absolute worldy games, and uh, it was it was Amor Algarzi who who in the last couple of weeks, uh, last probably three, four, maybe five games has been absolutely stellar. Yeah, he's been really, really good. Uh, there's something going on there with him and Neil Taylor. You can tell they're they're really starting to starting to mesh very well together as players. It's almost they're starting to get the thing where it seems like they don't even need to communicate as well as they just need to give each other maybe a look or you know being in certain positions on the pitch. You know, 
Neil Taylor's starting to look like he's really feeding off the fact if El Ghazi wants to cut inside on an inside forward kind of run, and you know Neil's going to run right past them, right off his left, and you know for an overlapping run, and it's nothing. It, I, I'm sure they work on it, but it's it's really really been working. You know, for the Millwall fixture, El Ghazi was he was playing out of his mind. Uh, I think he ended the match with a 7.59 match rating, which isn't high by any means, but when you have such a lackluster game like we saw with Villa against Millwall, that's actually a pretty high rating when you think about it. Uh, he, he's just he's so good off the left, and it, it seemed like Dean Smith saw something in the Millwall team that he wanted Anwar Algazi on that ball as much as humanly possible, and it definitely worked out for him. Yeah, definitely. And I think like he's... We, we've said it throughout the season, he's such a confidence player, and he looks like he's got so much confidence now. You know, the amount of shots he's taking per game. Um, but like, like you said, Neil Taylor as well, like... I think he's had more shots in a Villa kit in the last six games than he has in his entire career. Uh, yeah, I would guarantee it. I, I don't think that anything about Steve Bruce was ever going to make Neil Taylor look like a good footballer. Uh, I think it's just a change of the system. And it, it's the when and the where of when to you know be more attacking, the when and the where to be more defensive, and the when and the where to know when you know to get on your horse and put in a crunching tackle. And we've seen that from Neil Taylor. He's doing it in all phases of the modern fullback game. And it's not getting talked about enough, in my opinion. I, I'm, I'm not going to say I've always been the biggest Neil Taylor fan. That would be a complete lie. But over you know the sp- past 10 games now, he's proven that like he's in the right, places at the right time defensively and then you find him in the right place at the right time offensively there's nothing to moan about when it comes to Neil Taylor this isn't Neil Taylor from two seasons ago you know this isn't you know even it, it doesn't even look like the same Neil Taylor when he broke Seamus Coleman's leg in half he doesn't even look like that guy anymore you know he doesn't look like he's going to put in a dangerous tackle or he's going to get a red card he, it's, he's very meticulous and he's doing his job very well and it, you know it just helps that he has someone in front of him like Al Ghazi, most of the time, that has the same kind of mentality, that he knows when to go forward, know when, when to come back. You know, and we're seeing a lot of offense coming out of Neil Taylor's game under Dean Smith, and it's, it's really, really, really fun to watch most of the time. I, I would say the way that he's playing right now, he's in the top five uh, left-backs in the championship. Yeah, I would say that. I I would definitely say that. His his form over over the last 10 especially has been – and it's it's – it's almost like it's a, a new signing, if that makes sense. It, like you, you, we never saw this side of Neil Taylor before, and we're seeing it. And again, not a world beater left back. He's not gonna, you know, no, no big team's gonna come knocking with a ten million dollar bid. But he's doing his job very well in Dean Smith's system. I'm sure Dean Smith is just absolutely pleased with with everything that he's been doing. Yeah, I mean, obviously, someone's gonna listen to this and go, Neil Taylor, top five left backs in the championship. You're having a joke, but um. You know, if you put that into perspective, I'd probably say Kieran Gibbs from the Baggies. He's better. Um, yeah, I, I kind of have a soft spot for Kieran Gibbs. I don't. I, that's the first time I think I've ever actually said that out loud, other than in my own head. Um, I, he he is a fabulous fabulous left back. I would love to see him at the Villa, but it's it's not going to happen. But yeah, you can you can kind of you know make the comparison between those two players definitely at, at, at this moment in time. Yeah, and then you've got the likes of uh, Barry Douglas. I would probably say he's better than Neil Taylor. Um, Norwich's left back. I can't remember which one it is. It's Jamal Lewis. Um, yeah, yeah Jamal Lewis. Yeah, because it's Aaron's on. The, it's Aaron's at right back, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I keep getting those two mixed up because they're both so young, and both right. so similar. Um, 
But no, like there there are a few that are ahead of him. But I would say he's he's in he's in the top five, which is is no small feat. No, it's not a small feat, especially you know playing you know again with with a somewhat newer system. I mean, Dean Smith's been here a while now. I mean, but it's that that's what Dean Smith wants. You know, it's modern. It's very modern. You know, we talked about it under Steve Bruce Villa. Everyone calling him dinosaur football and you know hoofball and you know oh we just. You know, we're down a goal late in the game. Let's just change everything up to a four-four-two and things of that nature. Under Dean Smith, he's he's going for it, and he wants his players to go for it. You know, he, he came out with the uh, you know the presser after the Millwall fixture, I believe, and he said that you know guys are starting to take real ownership of their debriefs. You know, of, of getting together and talking about things that went right and things that went wrong, things that they can improve, things they know not to do anymore. You know, they're doing that as co- as a collective of players. It's it's not like John Terry's knocking on their you know, on the on the door of, of their apartment at, you know, 9 a.m. and saying, okay, guys, it's time to have your debrief. You know, no, Dean, Dean Smith's saying that, like, they're doing it themselves. You know, that, that's that's a wonderful thing, you know. It, but that that's the system. That's that's the culture that Dean Smith is trying to instill at Villa, not only for this season, but for, for the long term. And, you know, you, you can't can't be upset about that. I, I, think, I think it's a really good thing. And I think Neil Taylor is definitely someone, you know, he's a product of that environment. Yeah, I think I think it's it has improved absolutely everybody. Um but yeah, let's go back to the Millwall game. Um Jonathan Codger, the sole goal scorer. Um, you know, he did a little celebration that kind of seemed like it was a bit of a like you shouldn't have doubted me, uh, to the fans almost. But he yeah, he, he had he had it, that look of jubilation whilst he was doing it. Uh, he had, yeah, and I, I, I actually just saw it yesterday. There was another clip from, uh, from the supporter section behind him, and like, he, I guess he was playing a guitar. I didn't know. I think I actually messaged him. Was like, is, did he? Is he pretty much just taking the mick about you know everyone saying he was done after his knee surgery last year? And that's what I thought he was doing. But I guess, I guess he was playing a guitar. Like, if you actually like look at him, I don't know if you saw that video, but yeah, he has his leg up, and then he like, he like almost like licks his finger like Jimi Hendrix used to do, and he's like, you know, playing the guitar on his leg, which is pretty cool. But he was he was absolutely thrilled to score that goal, and he should have been. It was a nice goal, you know, assist uh, assist by El Ghazi as well. Uh, yeah, it was exactly what we needed in a, in a lackluster game. Yeah, and you know, it's good that you know he might go into some goal scoring form now. Um, you know, you can't complain at having two absolutely top class championship strikers that are uh, that are in form going into the playoffs yeah nothing negative is going to come out of it especially you know with Tam and the uh and the show, their upper arm injury, I guess they're calling it. Um, yeah, it, it's not going to hurt anything. And I, I do think Kaj wants to be here. He wants to contribute a little bit more. It's just, you know, it's one of those things, the same we just talked about with Keenan Davis, is you kind of get frozen out of the squad a little bit whenever, you know, whenever you have a Tammy Abraham banging in goals for fun all season. Um, you know, and I think that's why we saw Kaj out, out wide. But I really think that he doesn't want to be out there. He just wants to play striker and, and or center forward, and he wants to, you know, try to contribute as much as he can. It's it's not everybody's cup of tea, but I mean, he he's effective on his day. There's no doubt about that. Yeah, for sure. Let's let's move on from uh, last weekend's games then, and let's talk about some news that have, that's happened this week. Uh, the Professional Football Association released their annual Team of the Season awards for the EFL Championship, and uh, both Tammy Abraham and Jack Grealish made the made the squad, um, which is, is shown just how important they are to Aston Villa. But it was pretty shocking to see that John McGinn were, didn't feature. Yeah, I don't, I don't. I, it was one of those things that I think if you could have put a twelfth person in 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 the uh, 
in the awards, the, the PFA awards, I think it probably would have been McGinn. Um, I, I just don't, it's a bit of a weird one, a bit of a head scratcher. Obviously we, we, we're going to be a little biased being Villa supporters, but it's one of those things where, I mean, the man has been just absolutely, you can't put a price tag on him. I mean, Celtic, you know, tried to, you know, but like the whole thing is like for how much he costs to come into Aston Villa and how much he's meant to the squad and how much he's been able to produce. And we're not talking about like the worldy goal that he had or anything like that. Just just how his work rate and what he brings to the team. I I don't see how he's he's not in, in the 11. I just don't understand it. Well, I mean, Pablo Hernandez, uh, the Leeds midfielder, he, he deserves his space in in the uh, in the team. But Oliver Norwood is a bit of a uh, bit of an odd one for me, and I think perhaps McGinn should have made it in over him. Right. I mean, I don't know. You think I, I can see Norwood being there. I just don't think he has as much impact on a on a team specifically as John McGinn does. But again, that might be a little little you know claret and, and blue blood you know coming out of me when I say that. Uh, you know, Norwood's a good player, and no, I just don't think he brings the same kind of effort that John McGinn does, and I don't think there's very many players in the division that bring as much as an effort as he does. No, I, th- I, th- I think club level, he's certainly going to win the Player of the Season award. Oh, I, th- I definitely think so. I think that's a lock. I, I think that they, they probably already have it printed out for him and everything. I just don't... Uh, yeah, he, he's got He's got to be Player of the Year, at least for me he is. Yeah, I, I think he is for me as well. Um, some more news coming out of the club this time rather than the league is that uh, club captain James Chester has returned to full training which is absolutely brilliant news obviously he was player of the season last season uh, I don't believe he missed a game and um, you know he I, I think people are too quick to write him off you know he had a bit of a, a bit of shaky form earlier in the season and that was because he was playing with an injury so that we didn't have to like put someone that couldn't play centre-back as a centre-back. Yeah, I think that shows a lot about who James Chester is as a, as a person. You know, he could have definitely with the injury that he had that he was playing through, he could have went to management and anybody and been like, listen, I, you guys got to shut me down. I can't do this anymore. But it's a real Warriors mentality to want to go out there hurt and try to give it the best you can. And he definitely didn't look the best while he was doing that. Um, I, I hate saying that because I love watching James Chester do his thing out there. Uh, you know, I think a dip in form for him was always on the cards with not standing next to John Terry. And, you know, Terry, you, you can look back on it with rose-tinted glasses all you want, but Terry didn't have this magical, mythical season last year. He was prone to the mistakes just like anybody else was on the pitch. But, you know, with, with James Chester now coming back into the fold presently, that's going to be a massive thing for Villa going into the playoffs. Uh, I, I would like to see him get on the pitch for, you know, I'd say probably between, I don't know, at least – 60 to 90 minutes split up between the next two games somehow some way just to you know get him back into the field of everything training's great it's definitely not you know real game time um but yeah it's it's definitely what villa needs to have james chester around i mean he he wore the armband for a reason you know he is he, he definitely loves being at aston villa and he can definitely contribute i i personally don't think we'll see him again this season i, I think you have so many we have so many center backs now yeah. you know and it's that's going to be tough. You know, you're going to have Courtney Horse coming back from a hip flexor issue at some point. You have Yedinak, who I, I believe he was the high, he had the highest match rating for Villa against Millwall, which is crazy to think about. Um, I'm pretty pretty sure that's true. Uh, he, yeah, you know, he usually does just because of how many aerial challenges he wins. 
Right, yeah, because he's constantly in the air and he's, he's constantly winning them. Uh, you know, that's just going to, I guess that's a little bit of stat padding, but, you know, still, you have a lot of center backs and there's a lot to consider. I wouldn't necessarily want Dean Smith's job over, over the next three or four weeks. But, no. you know, he, he's definitely had some decisions to make. You, put, you know, you put Courtney Horse back at left back. You know, do you keep, you know, Yedinak, you know, standing next to Mings? There's, there's, there's a lot to consider there. Yeah, and I mean, it only gets worse as uh, Frederick Gilbert joins in the summer. And, you know, at, at this present time, you, you can't really replace Ahmed al Mohamedou or Neil Taylor because they're both in fine, fine form. You know, who who starts when, when Gilbert arrives? Is it going to be the likes of Gilbert at right back? Um, it, it obviously depends on who we sign. I think we'll probably end up signing uh, Courtney Hawes. So if we sign Mings as well, um, I would like to see a, a back four of Gilbert, uh, Chester, Mings and Hawes. But that's so, so unfair on Taylor and El Mohamedi if they're dropped. Yeah, I, again, that's that's a selection issue. If that if that's the way the cards fall, we're able to secure Mings, we're able to secure uh, Horse, and you know you got Gilbert coming into the door. I, I don't I don't know. I, that's that's such a head scratcher. You don't want to be unfair to anybody, especially you know if, if it ends in promotion to the Premier League, you don't want to be upset. And we know that you know Neil Taylor and El Mahamedy, you know maybe you know a couple years down the line now, but you know they have played in the Premier League. They know the standard. They know they know what it takes. But I, I think the back four you said of, of Gilbert and Mings, Chester, and um, and Courtney Horse on the left. I, th- I think that would that would probably that would have to be your back four, and it's going to be super unfair to to Elmo and Neil Taylor. But I just, I mean that that, that has to. I mean they spent a decent amount of money to get Gilbert out of France, you know, and, and he he showed a, a big you know personal nod as well to go back to a club to try and fight relegation off, you know. Villa fans didn't want it at the time, but you know that that's that shows you know the kind of person he is without even really knowing him. Yeah, and I mean, at the end of the day, it's it's a good problem to have. You know, like having I'd rather have too many chocolates to pick out of a bowl than only one type. You know what I mean? Like no, yeah, I can I can agree with you, and you know it's good problems to have. It it may just seem like it's a little bit more nervy of a, of a decision because we saw what happened this past year with having nobody. You know when you you've got a back line of four right backs, and then all of a sudden you know you're down the line here, everybody's healthy. You know you solidify a playoff spot, and now you have six different center backs that you could try to pick for a team. You know that's it's I, I think naturally it's going to be a little bit nervy for any supporter to you know try to wrap their heads around that. But you know Dean Smith's definitely got some decisions to make with that one next year yeah for sure and he's certainly got some decisions to make for Sunday as well um, Leeds are up next for Villa and that's going to be a pretty big game for both sides um, obviously Leeds have a reputation for uh, falling apart and uh, a loss a loss against us could completely decimate their automatic hopes they're, they're pretty much decimated already but there's still a chance for them you know, I, I think it's unlikely that Sheffield United will lose against Ipswich, which will see them, I believe, promoted automatically, uh, just because their goal difference is so much better than Leeds. But, um, you know, we're in fine form, and Leeds have uh, lost quite a few games against lower league opposition. Not as in, like, League 1, League 2, as in, like, bottom of the championship, against uh, Brentford and Wigan. Yeah, they didn't look very good in those games at all. Um, 
that Leeds is Leeds is just such a it's you want to laugh at them, and I get it. Like I understand the whole Leeds is falling apart again. Last year they did it in December. This year they're doing it in the run up. You know they pretty much had there was points of the season they they had a stranglehold, you know, for an automatic promotion place. And, and you know the past two games have not been kind to them whatsoever. You know I don't think there's any shame in traveling to Brentford and losing. You know, losing away at Brentford. I know, because we did it. <laughs> right, yeah. I, I don't think there's any shame to that. They're a good footballing side. Um, it, it's not even just saying that because Dean Smith's our head coach now. Like, it, they're one of those teams that if they're on and Villa's not, you know, on, on the television for whatever reason, like, I'll watch that game. You know, I, I want to be familiar with that team. They they can play football almost how Villa does in any way you want. But, you know, as far as Leeds, you know, I, I actually talked to one of my friends who's a Leeds supporter uh, after the Brentford game. And he said, Mark, there's three things in life that are certain. And it's death, it's taxes, and it's leads being bottle jobs. He was like, that's just the way it is. And I felt, I, felt, I felt the pain in his voice when he said it. The thing is, is I think we're seeing that again. And it's, not, it's, it's probably not an opinion that you'll hear many people you know, wax lyrical about. For me, I don't think leads are going to get promoted this year. I think they're gonna, they're, there's going to be something that happens, whether it's Villa beat them, you know, in the next game here, and then we see them in the playoffs, however it goes, I don't think they're going to have it. They're going to get their hearts ripped out like they're always ripped out. It's just, it's it's it's, it's one of those things. I, I, just, I just, I don't think that, you know, they're a good side, don't get me wrong, but I just, they're going to they're gonna find a way to lose it before someone's going to find a way to snatch it out of their hands. Personally, I think it's going to be a Villa-Leeds final. It, it's going to be the, the probably the biggest playoff final ever of all time really you know the stature of the two clubs oh uh, massive yeah can you imagine Wembley can you imagine what Wembley looked like with with Leeds and, and Villa I mean that's that's an old school yeah. you know that's that's an old old school game right there that's there's a lot there's a lot of supporters for you know these two clubs and it, w- it would just be storybook to you know beat Leeds you know this game coming up knock them out of you know contention for autos and then, and then give it to him in the final and get promoted. That would just be that would be the most Leeds thing of all time. People talk about you know peak Aston Villa. What what's what I feel is going to happen. You know what I just said of, of basically single handedly bouncing them out of a playoff or automatic promotion, and then beating them in the final. That would be peak Leeds to me. And I I really think that that that's might what happen. I I really just and to me that because obviously. I, I'm I'm a younger younger fan. Obviously, I'm not young by any means. I'm nearly m- in my mid twenties, but I mean, like you know, a, a lot of older fans that are perhaps more middle aged will be there thinking these are two titans of English football. You know, the only way it probably would be bigger is if it was Nottingham Forest, and then it'd be a, a, a more of a European Cup kind of playoff final. Um, yeah, I, st- I stopped in my local pub uh, about a week ago, and uh, there's this older gentleman. I believe he's 63 years old. His name's Tom. I see him almost every time I go to the pub. And uh, he ta- we were talking about everything, and he was asking me how the Villa's doing. You know, knows who I support. We've talked about on many occasions. But he had me bring up the championship table because he, he doesn't follow the championship all that much. And he looked down, and he said, he said, you better watch out for Leeds. I was like, oh, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not worried about Leeds. And he took a sip of his beer. He looked at me. He was like, yeah, you probably shouldn't be worried about Leeds. <laughs> so it was just one of those things of like – we got into talking about how how big the clubs are and how beautiful an occasion Wembley would be for a final and everything, but it seemed, it, I don't know, they're just, it, 
like you said, it's it's Leeds falling apart again, and or are they? Or are they, is it just going to spur them on? I mean, Pablo Hernandez, you know, he's been in great form this year. They have another striker whose who name escapes me that he's playing really well. I think he has 14 goals this year. So it's it's going to be interesting no matter what. There's a lot of if ands or buts right now, but I mean, it's it's hard not to think that Villa's going to you know actually get promoted this year. It's it's hard not to think that way. I know um, one key thing about the game is that. Uh... Alioski will be uh, missing out on the game, um, and you know he's he's a, a very very good player for them. He scored seven goals and uh, provided five assists this season, but he's uh, set to miss the rest of the season, which will bode well for us if we do meet them in the playoff final. Yeah, he's a talented lad. I saw that news come across. I think yesterday or the day before that he was out with I think it was a knee injury. Yeah, that's that's not good news for them in any which way, and I'm, I'm sure uh, Bielz is kind of scratched his head thinking how he's, how he's going to replace, you know, someone that has that much skill on the ball. And you watch Alioski and he almost, it's almost like you watch him play. And for Leeds are a good footballing side. I know, you know, I kind of just, you know, made fun of him a little bit. They are a good footballing side, but you watch players like Alioski and you're like, how are you not in the prem? Like it's, it's one of those things. It's one of like, man, this, this guy's talented. Like you can tell he's, he's got a lot of talent, a lot of determination, you know, and he shows it with his play. And that's that's a massive, massive loss for them, though. Yeah, and I mean, Hernandez is uh, kind of cooling down his, his hot, hot form at the moment. And I've seen it mentioned a lot across the season. And it's this, uh, I can't think of the, t- the, the, the term that they coined it as, but it's this kind of like Bielsa exhaustion that his teams kind of falter towards the end of the season. Um, yeah, I've seen someone make mention of that and there was... I, I can't remember what the statistic is, but I've definitely seen that there's there's something making the rounds. I believe it's on Twitter about like how just just how intense his training is. It's almost like he doesn't try to park it down towards like the end of the season to like enable his players to be fresh. It's almost like they've played a quarter of a game by the time they get into the into a, a brand new fixture. And uh, I don't know, but we we all know that he does some crazy crazy things as far as statistics and training and stuff. So who knows with him. Yeah, and obviously if they're all kind of unfit or exhaust, exhausted, you know, we want our players to stay healthy as well. There's been a lot of talk, you know, we've we've been one of the outlets peddling this kind of stuff, but there's been a lot of talk to um, actually resting players, perhaps, uh, to make sure they're, they're healthy for a, a later a later game against Leeds, perhaps. Yeah, I don't know. The, the hot topic is the John McGinn thing. People are still worried about John McGinn picking up, you know, yellows or anything. Dean Smith knows. I'm sure he'll deal with that in whichever way he wants to. As far as rotation goes, I mean, I, I don't know. I, I'd like to think that Keenan Davis gets a game, uh, whether it be, you know, against Leeds or against Norwich. I don't, I don't know if that's going to happen. If, if I was in the seat, I would. Uh, as far as midfielders, I don't think you're going to see Berker Bjarnason come onto the pitch by any means. Um I think it's probably Lansbury if, if he does, you know, get in there. Henry needs some game time, and he's getting back to fitness. And Dean, Dean Smith's talked very positively about him. Anytime his name's come up in the press, Henry Lansbury, he, he really, really fancies him as a player. It's just a shame that he, he's had, you know, injury problems here for a while. Um, I don't know. Do you, do you throw, like, uh, Jacob Ramsey in? I, I, don't, I don't know. I don't know what, what to really expect there. I mean, the, the supporters, it seems on social media at least, the supporters really, really want – um, a little, at least a little bit of rotation with John McGinn being the first person they would rotate out. But I, I don't know if Dean Smith's really going to go that route. He seems like he wants to constantly attack, attack, attack. So I don't, I don't know why he would change team selection. 
Well, the, the the big the big kind of question is, do we rotate and risk the momentum, or do we continue and risk the injuries? Right, and that's the ten million dollar question. You know, do you do you rotate the squad heavily and get shellacked three nil to to Leeds, and then try to get it back together against Norwich, and end the season on a one one draw? I don't think that's how you want to go into the playoffs. But you know, on the flip side of it, you don't want to you don't want to risk players and risk their fitness, and you know, have them pick up a knock and however which way. So I mean, you, you have to dance on that razor's edge and in some in some capacity. And at the same time, you know, we we possibly want to be finishing fourth, so we need to win these games. So it really it's likely that we'll probably uh we'll probably see all of our stars playing ball like Tammy Abraham who's injured. Right and. You know, I, with Dean Smith, I mean, I, obviously I don't know him personally in any capacity. He just comes off like the type of person who wants to keep the gas pedal down as far as he possibly can. If something happens, he'll worry about that when it comes up. But he, I think he's, I, I don't think you're going to see much rotation, but that, that's just my opinion. Yeah, for sure. And I think, really, that's probably the best place to end this podcast. Um, we'll be back next week and we'll be detailing everything that's happened uh, across the, ne- the next week we'll be detailing the Leeds game so hopefully we'll see you there uh, if you've enjoyed the podcast give us a rating, subscribe, all that jazz um, you know, if, if, if you do enjoy it let us know on social media uh, you know, you can comment on our posts on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram and let us, let us know what you think um, you can follow us on all of those platforms we're at Villa Lamp on Twitter and we're uh, at or forward slash under a gaslit lamp on both Instagram and Facebook. Uh, Thanks for listening, guys, and we'll see you again next week.